I, I keep seeing the Darth Maul speeder, and I'm kind of torn because, especially because of Rebels and uh, Clone Wars, I've become a, a much bigger fan of Darth Maul besides just that he looks cool. But then there's the flip side of his speeder looks really stupid. It looks kind of like a flying toilet, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I never liked that. I remember my brother had some kind of like big <laughs> toy version of that. I was like, this looks dumb. I had to like... Like I got him, I was like, "What does Darth Maul's speeder look like?" And I like, I got a <laughs> mental image of it, and I was like, "Yeah, you're right. It is a flying toilet." <laughs> poop. It's poop. <laughs> so when he's like chasing Anakin and Qui Gon in the desert, it's like when he jumps off and he goes like. <laughs> Anakin, <laughs> he's farting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when they're they're running in the desert, they just hear like from far off, like, <laughs> and it just keeps getting louder until he comes closer. <laughs> How can I learn to ride a speeder that's powered by poop? Not <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> I'll try my Jedi. <laughs> hey, Count Dooku. <laughs> the Sith are powered by poop. Take it away, there. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Yeah. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. Shut up. <laughs> like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs in there. That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. Doesn't get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another spectacular, awesome, stupendous episode of Comics, motherfucker. Do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am not alone. I am joined tonight by three, count them, three of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike. Fuck that noise. Hey, this is Justin. Hey, guys, this is Tony and Pizza Pizza. All right. So, yeah, we're here. We're all here. We're getting presidential medals and everything for all the different Spinner Rack comics we're bringing tonight. But there are quite a few of them, so we'll get into it right away. And to start off, we're going in chronological order. So I'm going to turn it over to Tony Jackson and let him tell us what he brought tonight and what we're about to discuss. Thanks. What I brought for this uh, episode was the G.I. Joe yearbook, number three. This was cover dated March 1987. And this is, this is when a time when Marvel Comics was fond of doing annuals or in G.I. Joe's case, yearbooks. And they were basically kind of like either standalone stories and they would cap events over the year. And it was just kind of like a... Uh, 
best celebration of the year. And they, they did this for a long time. This is number three. The reason I mainly wanted to do this one is there's two stories in it. There's a lot of extra stuff. There's pinups. There's a, a, a recap of the year. We're not going to talk about that because we may talk about some of those issues later on, so I don't want to do any spoilers. The two basic stories in this are called G.I. Joe Hush Job, and then there's a backup story called My Dinner with Serpentor. The first one I'll talk about because it's the best one is Hush Job, and it was the stories by Larry Hama. And I say story because, well, I'll go into it in a second. Ron Wagner did the pencils, Kim D. Mulder did the inks, Max Scheel was on the colors, and basically this is from the ongoing series where Snakehead has been captured and he's in the Cobra Consulate building in New York and he's being pretty much tortured by the brainwave scanner. This was a device made by Dr. Venom and it basically reads minds, more or less. And they're trying to basically pluck out, you know, important information from Snake Eyes' brain because he's a high-ranking GHO officer. And so Scarlet, who is his love interest in the comics, fuck the cartoon and Duke and Scarlet, I don't care. She is going to go save her man. And in, at this point, Storm Shadow is on his face turn to become a good guy. So she's like, hey, this guy who you consider a brother has been captured. Will you help me? And he's like, yes. Now I'm having to describe all this because this entire story is without any word balloons or any, you know, captions or anything. This is basically a continuation, well, or sequel, I guess you would say, to Silent Interlude, which was a story back in the 20s of the numbering where Snake Eyes had to save Scarlet. So there you go. So Scarlet busted, uh, sneaks into the uh, Cobra Consulate. She has Timber hidden in the vacuum, which is kind of silly. Storm Shadow is badass in this. He, he sneaks in through the sewers, kills a couple of eels, takes care of some red ninjas in short order. The whole time, Baroness is overseeing this. And she's trying to, you know, see what's inside Snake Eyes' brains because later on in the series, we find out that she has a very personal stake in Snake Eyes. She wants him dead. She has her own reasons. We'll find out later in the series. Basically, everything boils to a head, and the good guys save Snake Eyes, and they sneak out of the building, and everything's triumphant. It's a pretty quick story, especially since there's no word balloons. I thought the art was pretty serviceable it's not as good as silent interlude i thought that was told a little bit better with the panels and all that but it was pretty interesting i i, I have a feeling of what justin's going to say about the second story so what do you guys think about this i know there's not a lot to digest as far as like word balloons or whatever but what do you think about the pacing and how everything looked so first of all i i almost got mad at you over this comic because and Okay, the first thing is my fault. I forgot you were going to be on this episode, so I, like, I was flipping through the emails and stuff, and I was like, all right, I did my homework and everything, and then I looked at the email that said what we were reading, and then I was like, and it said, Tony, G.I. Joe yearbook number three, and I was like, what? What? I totally forgot. I was like, shit. I was like, I was like it's okay, it's okay. I've got an hour to the show, so I sat down. <laughs> sat down and I was like, wait, you, I started flipping through it. I was like, damn it, Tony, this thing is like 60 some pages long. And I started, but I was started flipping through it even more. And I was like, oh, it's okay. There's like some puff pieces. There's some pinups and stuff like, oh, it's fine. There's only one story in here. So I, I read the story you just described 
I didn't know there was a Sorpentor story in this, so I didn't read that at all. Like, that's... I must have completely skipped over that. Okay. Yeah, I, I totally, uh, I totally, like, made a boo-boo concerning this comic. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as, like, the story, though, like, I... I liked it. I had never read this before, and I I thought the art was pretty good. I liked it. I thought the story was fun. I thought it was a nice, you know, spiritual successor to the previous silent story, which I, I like that one, too. I like Snake Eyes. I, I really like Storm Shadow when he's a good guy. I like, you know, Scarlet and, you know, sneaking into the base and going through various disguises and stuff. Like, all that stuff was fun, so this story was a lot of fun. I wish I'd read the Serpentor story though, because I, I don't know. I know Serpentor gets a lot of crap, but I always thought he was a really cool character. I just, I just remember watching his cartoon appearance for the first time, and they're like, he's got the DNA of like all these like you know, ancient conquerors, and you know me, like I've I've always been in, interested in history. I was like, oh man, that's so cool. Like, how are the GI Joes gonna beat this guy who's got like, you know. Julius Caesar and Genghis Khan's DNA, so I've always had a soft spot for Force of Pintor, so I'm going to have to go back and read the story, like, later. Okay. <laughs> what about you other guys? What do you think about the, the silent story? Let me ask this first before we go further. Did either of you two read the Dinner with Your Pintor thing? Honestly, like, that, I know you said that the, the sequel to Silent Interlude is your favorite part of this yearbook, but my Dinner with Serpentor is probably one of my favorite G.I. Joe stories, and it's only like five pages, but I I love it. Like, I mean, I, I almost don't want to say what happens in it, just because I want Justin to read it and enjoy it for himself, but uh, it's got Mike Zek art, it's written by Larry Hama, and it, it just has a lot of things in it that I enjoy. So, like, it, I'm pretty sure I put it on one of my either honorable mentions or maybe like a top ten for, for G.I. Joe stories, because I, I really do like that backup. As far as the issue itself, Yearbook 4, I think, was my my first official spinner rack comic for G.I. Joe yearbooks. This I bought in a back issue bin, I think, at the comic shop in San Leandro. I, I was pretty much a mark for, like, Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow type stuff. And so the cover obviously stood out to me. Like, I, I was like, oh, super cool. Like, you know, Scarlet and Storm Shadow are going to be saving Snake Eyes and everything. I think when I was younger, I ate this story up, like, the whole thing. Like, I, I liked the pacing and everything. I do agree it's not as good as G.I. Joe 21. Like, the, the, I guess, inspiration for this, the original, you know, silent interlude, enough said, like, whatever you want to you know refer to it as but but the original kind of silent comic and stuff so it, it's not as good as the original but it is it is pretty fun i think if you are a mark for that kind of stuff because I, I can kind of look at it in hindsight and kind of chuckle at some things too like but like if you're if you're tired of like ninja fan or gi joe and and you think it's overrated you might not enjoy this because i mean this is basically yeah. Storm Shadow owns the fuck out of Red Ninjas. Storm Shadow owns the fuck out of Cobra Guys. Snake Eyes is trapped, but his fan aura blows up the brainwave scanner. Like, like he's so awesome, he can't be brainwave scanned, and he explodes Dr. Mindbender's brainwave scanner. Like, that's like sticking Batman in, like, you know, I don't know, some kind of 
apocalyptian contraption that's designed to brainwash him and then it blows up apocalypse or something you know it's just like what like okay because 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 his, his his mental aura is so freaking awesome or whatever and then and then of course this this also yeah <laughs> and and i i think if you love if you love the ninjas if you love snake eyes and storm shadow which i did at the time and i still kind of do like this is super awesome and then you can't forget like i think the one thing that tony overlooked which is one of the greatest things about this which really has everything you've got ninjas huh i was gonna bring it up i'll wait to see who it's you you you've got ninjas You've got Snake Eyes' massive fan or and you also, you also, and this is always the greatest thing ever, you have Baroness in her underwear. So you can't, I mean, this this comic has everything, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to point out that there is a, a nice little cheesecake scene where Scarlet has taken the, uh, the identity of Baroness to sneak out the, the guys, and they rush in to, like, try to figure out what's going on. It's like death on them. And they like open up the door and there's Baroness. Like she's in her little like really red lingerie. And I, my only thought in that moment, uh, Derek, was like there's a bunch of Cobra troops behind her. And like on one hand, they're like, yeah, we got captured. But they're also like, could be worse. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Derek and Tony have now been canceled. <laughs> uh, I, I was waiting for it. We, we can only get canceled once this gets released, so... <laughs> we got time. We got time. Well, I, I've never read a whole, a huge amount of like the Marvel GI Joe comics, so I had never read this before. But yeah, I kind of figured it was like a sort of spiritual like sequel to the you know famous Quiet issue or whatever. Uh, yeah, like I enjoyed it. Like I think the art was good. Like I, I could follow it along, you know, pretty pretty easily. Like I like how you know when. They do, like, when Marvel did that, like, enough said month, it's like sometimes they would find ways to cheat, like, by, like, you know, putting words up on a screen, like, you know, it, you could tell, like, when the brainwave scanner was being overloaded, it's like, it, it said it all on the screen, and it it even said, like, Snake Eyes has entered, like, zen-like meditation yes. state or something. Yeah, and like, so... Snake Eyes Fenor is too much for me, my mentor. <laughs> yeah. I must I like, flee. You can, you can, computer, you can detect that. Like, like, Snake Eyes is super awesome. Look out. Like, when I saw that panel, I, for some reason, I thought it said Snake Eyes is in Zen Law, and I was like, what? <laughs> to me, my ninja. For anybody who's like a, a big comic fan of the G.I. Yeah, Joe Marvel run, the image on the screen that has like the dude in the trance doing like the Zen meditation, that's actually the Hard Master, who is the guy that was killed and they blamed it on storm shadow which is why he joined cobra to get revenge so that there's their you know little easter egg yeah it's like it's like they, they they're sort of almost telling you a mini story with the brainwave scanner to that point right because they're they're showing you their backstory in vietnam with stalker and tommy arashikage and, and snake eyes and then showing you when snake eyes got his face all wounded and Tommy saves him and everything like that and then you see him coming home and learning like his his little kid sister and and folks got killed in the car accident which by dink, just like Norman Osborn and everybody and their brother knowing Spider-Man it's like it turns out that was freaking what Cobra Commander driving the bongo the bear car or whatever the fuck convoluted nonsense that was and then and then you've got him training as the 
you know, in the black ninja garb, you know, with the Ashikage clan after that. And then and then you've got him, you know, with Stalker kind of, you know, joining G.I. Joe and, and, and that kind of thing. So it's like they, they, they sort of, you know... They hit they, yeah, they kind of they kind of explore the relationship of all the the characters in the you know in, in this particular issue. So it's kind of funny in in some weird way, even though it's totally silent. Like those video images are almost like your you know Jim Shooter Claremontian narration caption that's kind of filling you in. Like why why would they go through all the if you never read this before? Like why would these two? go to all this length to to save this guy who's captured and they kind of they, they try to spell it out for you in those those video images as far as my dinner with the pintor since justin hasn't read it i don't want to spoil it for him the, the, the best thing i can say in addition to what derek has said is if the serpentor in the comic books had been the one in the cartoon i think a lot more people would have been accepting of them and this story especially is a really good character story it, it's just like one of the, the biggest problems with some of these licensed characters is like of course you want cover commander to be like bigger than life you want megatron to be bigger than life you want skeletor to be bigger than life but a good character is when they have those subtle nuances and this was actually kind of a nice, like a nice little like character portrait as like it kind of gave you some ideas of how serpentor was at one point like where all these like dna things were coming from like justin said but also i don't think it humanizes them it kind of fleshes out what serpentor is if that makes sense would you agree Derek? yeah yeah no that that's very well said i mean i i think i i think i might have mentioned this briefly but one of the other things that's kind of cool about it is I, I think it's one of the few times, I mean, I know it's only five pages, but it's more than, than Mike's like just doing a G.I. Joe cover, right? So so there's that added bonus. You're like, oh, holy crap, like Mike Zek drew, like, like not an entire issue of G.I. Joe, but he did draw like a full backup strip of G.I. Joe. So that's, that's pretty cool and rare in and of itself. Yeah, and I, I will say this, Justin, it's not a spoiler because they don't really play a huge part in it, but Mike Zek draws like the best... Dreadnoughts. I don't know. I just like the character he gave them just by drawing them. It's just like I don't know. They, they, they look like you know just almost cartoonish, but still badass. It, well, he's just a great artist. It's just I just like how he like the first panel is just great. So, but yeah. Now, whenever someone says Mike Zek, the only thing I hear in my head is that kid from Harold's Con going, Mike Zek, creator of the Black Spider-Man costume. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, uh, that's all. I don't know if you remember that, Tony, but like I feel like that's all I heard for three days in a row. Mike Zek, creator of the Black Spider-Man costume, come on up. Sign an autograph. <laughs> come on out. I, it was so cute. Oh, like, did you did you know Mike Zek drew that shirt you're wearing? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> that that's why I bought it. <laughs> but yeah, despite Justice trepidation. And I understand, Justin, I understand. It's 64 pages. You're like, fuck you! Well, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm going to give you a little grief here. Whenever we do a show like this, you usually pick some really oddball thing where it's like, you know, part seven of a 14-part story. <laughs> or you'll pick like a whole graphic novel or, or just something weird. It's like, 
I mean, I know you're not doing it on purpose, but whenever you pick something, I'm just like, okay, what did Tony pick this time? I'm like, 60-something page G.I. Joe and I was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is mostly just filler and stuff. I was like, oh, man, okay. But even then, I still miss the story because, like, I think I got to, like, some ad that was advertising, like, G.I. Joe and Transformers comics, and I was like, oh, that's it. That's all, that's all there is. So it, it, it's kind of buried. They have, like, the whole recap thing, and then there's, like, a couple of pinups. Then that story did a couple more pinups, so, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, I, I just flipped to that recap. I was like, I don't need to. Do you remember those uh, those comics where it was, like, Marvel Saga or Wolverine Saga or whatever? Yeah. And it was, mm-hmm. was kind of like that, or, like, for DC, they had, like, the JLA Index. I mean, that that's basically what that those portions of the yearbook were it was just kind of like hey dude like if 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 you if you didn't spend all your allowance money on the last 12 issues of gi joe you know but you you still want to be up with what all the cool kids on the playground know like this is this is the 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 essentials of what you need to know you know yeah which is kind of nice actually like pissed off all the other kids but like you know yeah, those, those Marvel sagas came in handy when I was a kid. I think I had like the first, I don't know, 15 or 16 issues. And like it filled in a lot of blanks because I would be like, oh, this is how like the Kree sc- scroll war started. Like, oh, this is how so and so happened. Like, this is the, like how the origin, this is the, or this is the origin of the internals. This is how the deviants got their start. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I'm like, this year, this year it would have been like, Oh, this is how Sergeant Slaughter punched Ripcord in the face and revealed him to be Zartan, even though there were two <laughs> Ripcords in front of him or whatever. You know, like shit like that. This is where the bats came from. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sorry, Justin. I didn't mean to freak you out. I, I, I honestly <laughs> wanted you to just read Hush Job, and like, it is funny because that's probably the shortest story that we're going to go over this week. No, I, I I got this off the spinner rack. That was like the only qualifier for this week was we're just doing shit we grabbed off the spinner rack. And I, I devoured the recap because I was really into G.I. Joe at the time. But still, the, the Hush job was a great story. My dinner was for Pentor was a nice additional bonus. The, some of the pinups were really good. I liked the Zorana and Xandar pinup. The Dr. Mindbender one I really liked. For the stupidest reason is because G.I. Joe comics and the cartoon were not always faithful to, like, certain aspects of the character. And this pinup had his stupid little cattle prod that the, the action figure came with. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. But as far as, like, a G.I. Joe collector, as far as, like, the comic books, this is actually pretty important. Because you, you do get the story where it continues what happened to Snake Eyes, because that was in the main series. So if you want to see that, the resolution to that part of the story... You have to get this. And not only that, but it does further the arc of Storm Shadow on his slow face turn from everybody thinking he's just like evil assassin on, you know, very selfish and a killer to actually being this more sympathetic character who was doing the right thing, but he was just doing it his own way. And he was like the outcast. He he, he went on a, a mission of vengeance. He got his redemption arc. And now he's like, you know, slowly becoming that hero that I, I, I like Justin. I, I like Storm Shadow as a good guy myself. Yeah, this was pretty good. It was a dollar fifty back in the day. That that's sixty four pages for a dollar fifty. Heck yeah. Come in, Aaron Moss, codename Head. I have an important mission for you, son. I need you to podcast about G.I. Joe, a real American hero, the comic book series 
previously posed for Marvel Comics, currently being paid out by IDW. Um, which issues, uh, General Hawk? Issues? My son? You're gonna cover the entire run. Plus the yearbooks, special missions, order battle, everything. Along with the cartoon. Wowzer, sir. That's a mighty large mission. That's why I'm assigning you several other Joes as they're available to help. And, uh, how do I report my findings? Monthly. At our main site, gijoe.headspeaks.com, on iTunes, and Stitch Radio. Submit your report under G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Uh, anything else, sir? You can get further information on the social medias. Facebook, Google+, Twitter, all under G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Dismiss, soldier. Yep. Yes, sir. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. Cool. All right. Well, then I think that wraps up the whole G.I. Joe yearbook number three. And that puts me on deck. And I guess I, I don't know if I should have a bone to pick with Tony or a bone to pick with Justin, but I was promised that there'd be more DC representation on this podcast. And I was lied to, sir. Lied. But I'm representing DC, so... I brought Captain Adam issue number 25 from DC Comics. The cover date was January 1989. The on-sale date, Trixie, was December 6th, 1988. The cover price was $1, 32 pages. Editor, Denny O'Neill. Title, Slow Burn. This is part of a crossover event with Invasion. The writer is Carrie Bates. The co-plotter is Greg Wiseman. The penciler is Pat Broderick. The inker is Robert Allen Smith. The letterer is Carrie Spiegel or Carrie McCarthy. And the colorist is Shelley Iber. A groggy Captain Adam is being woken up by the president's aide, Mr. Bailey, on Air Force One. President Ronald Reagan asks to have a moment alone to speak with Captain Adam. Along with the many ceremonies the captain will be attending, he also continues to look for evidence to prove his court-martial as Nathaniel Adam was a frame job. Even when the president offers Captain Adam a presidential pardon, he turns it down, saying he wants his innocence to be proven beyond all doubt. Having anticipated such a response, President Reagan offers Captain Adam, in his Cameron Scott cover identity, an opportunity to rejoin the United States Air Force without having to deal with the harassment from General Wade Eiling and with a promotion to Major to boot. As Air Force One lands in New York City for the celebrations, the other participants have arrived to receive their Distinguished Service Medals. Maxwell Lord, who was the senior liaison for the Justice League International, General Wade Eiling, commander of the Conventional Armed Forces, and Amanda Waller, commander of the Enlisted Supervillains. When the Justice League International arrive, represented by Martian Manhunter and Oberon, they are accompanied by the invasion war heroes Wally West, also known as the Flash, and Major Force. Meanwhile, in a subplot to be continued in future issues, Mr. Miracle, Blue Beetle, and Booster Gold watch the Commander-in-Chief of Earth's enlisted superhero forces on television. Scott Free and Ted Kord suspect their former leader of deceit and plan to investigate him while a clueless, banana-munching Michael John Carter looks on. Back at the ceremonies, Major Force goes from reveling in the cheering crowd's adulation to getting all pissy when Captain Adam comes on the scene. When he overhears Captain Adam whisper his thanks for his promotion to President Reagan, he leaps away in anger. The team monitoring Major Force's vitals immediately contact General Eiling, who asks Captain Adam to go after the temperamental Major Force. Pleased that Eiling is in the dark over his recent promotion to Major, and that President Reagan himself asked to save the pleasure of telling the news to General Eiling himself, Captain Adam is all smiles and agrees to go after Major Force without making any major protestations. 
Captain Adam tries to alleviate Major Force's jealousy by getting him a role in a Big Apple Taurus television commercial at Rockefeller Center. However, Force's jealousy intensifies when he sees some beautiful women asking the captain for his autograph. Distracted by his obsession with Captain Adam, Major Force gets told off by the director of the commercial. Major Force responds by throwing him into a water fountain. Captain Adam then flies himself and Major Force off the set nearby the Statue of Liberty. They notice a blimp rigged with high explosives from the Xenoist terrorist army. While Major Force is eager for the action, Captain Adam goes after the blimp alone by himself by setting off the explosives and containing the blast with his quantum field. Major Force thinks he'll swoop in to catch the gondola Captain Adam freed from the blimp by creating a matter bridge over the water. However, Captain Adam flies overhead and grabs the gondola because he isn't confident Major Force's matter bridge would support the weight. Screaming and pounding on his bridge, the Major proves Captain Adam's fears are well-founded when the bridge collapses and Force nearly drowns. Captain Adam pulls Force out of the drink and tells him that the NYPD have caught the terrorists who sent the blimp. In the aftermath, a pretty blonde biker girl named Truly says she saw Major Force back at Rockefeller Center and that she just had to meet him. When Truly and Major Force go out for a stroll, he learns that the girl is using him to make her biker boyfriend jealous. Major Force knocks out the biker with a single punch and takes Truly hostage in Central Park. Captain Adam gets word of this and leaves his parade fanfare. Although Major Force's handlers have had gas pellets in his head, He's become so accustomed to them, they no longer have any effect. Force wants to snap the girl's neck, but Adam tries to reason with him. Adam reminds Force there's a bomb in his head as well, and a man named Allard back in Washington, D.C., who would love to push the button that makes it explode. Adam offers instead to tell the cops that the gas fumes are some kind of germ warfare used by the invaders to make Major Force act irrational. Major Force eventually backs down and lets the girl go. Back in Washington, D.C., General Eiling tells Martin Allard he'll have his chance to kill Major Force someday, but for now, Eiling has his own plans for the man. Later, we see Major Force in a bar, drowning his sorrows alongside a homely female barfly who is hitting on him. Elsewhere in New York City, Captain Adam thinks to himself this is the last time he bails out Major Force and General Eiling when the gene bomb goes off. And the rest of the event is to be concluded in Invasion Issue Number 3! So yeah, this is a tie-in. It, it's labeled Invasion Aftermath because the big major battle between Earth and the invaders, which was compromised of like five different alien races that formed an alliance to attack all the, the metahumans on the DC Earth, joined forces and they invaded Australia. And so there was this big major battle where Captain Adam was the, the commander-in-chief of all the Earth's superhuman forces. And so they fought off the invaders and everything, and, and they considered that a victory. But then in the aftermath, they actually, for I guess spite's sake or whatever, they set off this gene bomb and that's kind of where we are at the end of this aftermath issue. I feel you would have been more upset because I'm not continuing your ongoing crusade to cut to uh, cover the entire invasion story. No, arc. no, no, no. I, I mean, I don't, I don't have a crusade with it. There's, <laughs> there's actually a nice podcast that that's done all that already, but a lot, I, I will admit though, uh, you know, I, Invasion is my sweet spot for Quick Stop Spinner Rack comics. I mean, Invasion number two, I picked up off the Spinner Rack. I, I picked up Invasion three off the Spinner Rack. Like that that cover for Invasion two, it it kind of it 
it's it's got that whole raising the flag on Iwo Jima kind of vibe to it, where it's got Captain Adam and the other heroes raising like the the world you know flag you know and everything, and and that introduced me to Captain Adam, and Captain Adam there was like the commander in chief of all the Earth superheroes, and even though I'm kind of like a super friends like superman is in charge type guy like uh, even that like it, it it the way it was presented to me it made total sense because they went well captain adam's the general and he's he's giving out all the orders the marching orders but superman is the field commander and he's actually leading everybody into the actual battle and to me that made total sense as a kid and i was like totally fine with it none of my feathers were ruffled and and it really you know led me to look on to Captain Adam with a lot of respect and and I've always liked him you know as far as a character goes so like a lot of these spinner rack books would be invasion books you know like because I I was kind of very enthralled like this this is what kind of exposed me to the wider post-crisis DC comic universe. And if I saw anything I recognized, like, I mean, even this cover, like, not only did it have an invasion tie-in, and even though he's not anywhere to be found within the issue, Firestorm's on the cover. And I recognized Firestorm from Superpowers Team, so I, you know, I picked this up as well, you know? And, and in some cases, Firestorm was on the cover and was actually in some of the stories, but in, in this one, he, he's not there getting a medal or anything like that, per se, but it still kind of led me to to get the issue and everything. I, I love all the Pat Broderick art. I mean, for me, just because of when I was exposed to it, like, Pat Broderick's kind of my definitive Captain Atom artist, and, I mean, it doesn't hurt to, like, this... On a podcast that uh, may not even be released by the time you're hearing this one, because of uh, reasons, uh, T.J. Damon and I talk about Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan, in the Captain America books, and just all I'll say about that is, I like how they treat him in this issue more than most of the comics in the era treated him. So, I mean, he comes across as a pretty stand-up guy, and, and, and him and Captain Adam have a pretty good relationship and it just made you feel like everything was sort of hunky-dory and everything and i guess the other reason why i picked this was besides that it was dc and my nefarious plans to expose you guys to more dc comics and everything and that it was a spinner rack comic i thought maybe you know i for a while i had been mentioning to mike oh hey you know greg wiseman you know co-plots he writes you know, Captain Adam and that kind of thing. So I figured, you know, maybe it would give Mike an excuse to, to dip his toe in that pool a little bit and check that out and see if he liked it or not. And if there were, you know, other issues he'd want to check out in the future because of Greg Wiseman's involvement. And I guess there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ongoing subplots and narratives that you might not pick up on if you just look at this issue standalone. But like, Somebody like General Eiling, I mean, it it's complicated. He's, 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 to me, like, or I guess to some people it's not complicated at all. He's an evil bastard and that's all they'll ever hear of it, right? But I think in this, in, in this comic series, he's like the equivalent of J. Jonah Jameson. Like, some people get J. Jonah right, some people get J. Jonah horribly wrong, you know? And I, I think it's true with General Eiling. Like, at some points... He's Captain Adam's ally. At some points, he's just a necessary evil or, or an obstacle in his way of what he needs to get done. And then at other points, he's just total 
flat out villain, you know? And, and, and I, I think at some point, like with the, the nature of not necessarily this book, because it never devolved until nobody was there to take care of the characters, I guess. But once, once those characters were not shepherded in an ongoing series like this and were allowed the opportunity to have nuances, then I think he just became, you know, basically the general, which is like the shaggy man, but fucking shaved. And he just became this horrible villain. And that was the end of it. Well, this is with a uh, major force too, because at some point, like, I mean, he is kind of psychotic. He is unstable and he's very violent, but like in this issue, they definitely showed that like Mr. Miracle and Blue Beetle, that there is some people who have reservations about, you know, Captain Adam's role in invasion. Yeah. yeah. And it, it gives ma- major force a little bit more of a leg to stand on that like he's like this guy just being a glory hog you know why can't i be the cool guy this is again pre kyle rayner green lantern right it's it's yeah. pre it's pre women in refrigerators he hasn't he hasn't refrigerated kyle rayner's girlfriend yet so he hasn't quite crossed that line but at the <laughs> same time you see you see that he could easily you know in in the events of this issue it's like he he could have easily gone down that road right here and now if it wasn't for Captain Adam talking him out of it, you know? And and the thing I thought was always interesting about this book was that they, they did tend to tackle things that might be somewhat controversial, you know? The, the notion of, well, what happens when you, when you de-arm a warring populace? You know, what happens when when you know somebody like like major force is allowed to to run rampant and and kind of you know prey on women and this and that and that kind of thing you know they 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 would tackle things like where nathaniel adams sort of had to look inside himself and deal with the fact that like he had a best friend and the best friend was african-american and then he started dating his daughter and he had all this like introspection about it and it's like you might not always be happy with whatever conclusions and answers they came to but I feel like they at least tried to view it as honestly as they could at that time. So, I mean, I, I guess I'd just say, like, I appreciate the title in general for, for those attempts. And, and and then as far as, like, in general, like, this is kind of, like I said, this is kind of my sweet spot as far as, like, you know, getting into DC Comics and the larger post-crisis DC universe. This is my my very first introduction outside of, invasion you know the the miniseries to captain adam and i think he he definitely i imprinted on him and he made an impression and i i like it but i mean i i assume a lot of you guys may have not have read this before so so you'll be coming at it from a a different vantage point but i'm kind of curious to hear what you guys just thought of this maybe as a one shot or you know maybe i'm wrong maybe some of you guys have read more captain adam than i'm giving you credit for but what did what did you guys think Besides what I said about Major Force, first of all, the art is amazing. I have not read this. I was not a huge Captain Adam fan as far as his solo series. The art definitely gave me some Bart Sears shivers just because of how detailed it was. He does have a different style than Bart Sears, obviously. But I always liked my Captain Adam to be shiny. It always made me mad when they like colored him in like that dull gray. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, like I said, the nuance is, is like Major Force. He is a bad person. He's not a good guy, but 
you, you see kind of his thought process. And in this, like, until it gets ramped up to a certain level, Captain Adam is almost having to babysit this guy. Yeah, yeah. And and it's not as clean cut as, you know, Captain Ad or uh, Major Force is just a bad, nasty guy, and that's the end of the story. I mean, you know, like, there, you, you would think there should be some accountability for somebody just using somebody to get another man's attention as well, because that's... That's a standard trope. I mean, it might just be a story trope here, but it's not like it's 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 not like people don't do that, you know. So and 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 that's in its own way is just as toxic and negative as as you know. I guess people would tend to apply the label to Major Force. I think truly in her own way is is toxic and negative as and, well. And while I do agree that uh, Captain Adam, you know Nate Nathan Adam is like a a really stand-up guy, a really good person, and, like, there are stories where they totally don't do him service there, you know, later on. Like, I, I feel that there are definitely some moments here where with all this positivity hitting him, he is kind of letting it get to him a little bit, where he's kind of, like, kind of believing his own hype a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, there, there, there is that, because a lot of his a lot of the setup the the kind of nuance that i'm talking about in the the monthly book you know he 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 cameron scott is his secret identity and it is a cover story like you know the the story of captain adam that gets released to the public is is not what actually happened to him you, you know, like he was he was convicted he was court martialed like basically he was he was used in an experiment because of that but they weren't going to the U.S. government was not going to release that information publicly, so they, you know, they made this cover story of how he became Captain Adam, and you know, how now he's the the face of the U.S. government for superheroes and all that other kind of stuff. So, I mean, there there is there is a layer of deception, and and they get through that. You know, that's kind of what that that uh, Mister Miracle, Booster Gold, and Beetle subplot deals with, and they go into, like, a three-part story arc that deals with all that, and they, they eventually, ultimately, like, resolve their differences and everything, and I think by the time we're, we're dealing with, like, Justice League Europe issues, like some of the ones that you had us read, Tony, like, that subterfuge or maybe tint on his honor, you know, that's, that's long since been removed, or that monkey is off his back by then, but at this point, he, he's still dealing with that, and, and the adulation from from the success in the invasion, like, of course, that would make you happy because for a long period of his career, it's been mired with kind of doubt and anxiety, right? So this is this is an opportunity for him to sort of go public and shine and be recognized as opposed to sort of believed a, a court-martialed felon, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he deserves a lot of the good stuff that's happening towards him, but as any human would, you know, it's like, if you get told you're hot shit enough, at some point you're like, yeah, maybe I am hot shit. You know, I mean, it's just a human reaction. Yeah, that's all I got. Besides, the art is great, and I, I like the fact that this this story has its own subplots. It's like part of evasion, but we got we got major force, we got Eiling, and we got like you know the rest of the JLI who are just kind of like 
some of them are on board and some of them are like, I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I like this issue. Well, what about you, Mike? Is this the first time I've managed to get you to read a Captain Adam issue? I think I read another one before, like in one of our previous shows, like another one of Greg Wiseman's Captain Adam. Maybe during one of the that Suicide Squad crossover you had me read. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah like okay, I, okay. you know, yeah. I, I like it. Like I see, I see, you know, Wiseman's usual, you know, attention to detail and you know whatever. Uh, you know, I, I don't really have a lot of context, but I understood like, you know, what was happening and whatever. And yeah, I was going to ask you like, you know, like I've never really gotten like, what is major forces kind of like history? Cause I know like the, the only thing I knew him from was, you know, stuffing, you know, Kyle Rayner's girlfriend in a refrigerator. And I figured he was just a bad guy, but like, he was kind of like a, like a hero for a long time or just like, well, I mean, I mean, he, he basically, was caught cut from the same cloth as captain adam yeah. like like captain adam you know nathaniel adam was in an experimental project and had the 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 suit like fused to him and and the the same process like basically what happens is when they do this to nathaniel adam he goes from 1960 to 1980s right so he jumps kind of like captain america or whatever the the, the quantum time leap or whatever jumps him into the present and so at the time they think that experiment has killed their their convicted felon right and so they continue to use convicted felons to test this stuff out and one of the other quote-unquote success stories is major force so and and he's he's not cut exactly from the same cloth as Nathaniel Adam whereas Nathaniel Adam's a good guy who was framed like major force did what he was you know convicted for right like so so he he's not a stand-up guy but basically it, 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 he's supposed to be kind of like his would you say captain marvel and black adam yeah or or even the, to put it into to mike terms you know his his vengeance, his venom, you know, like, I mean, they, they have... I was going to say, is he kind of like U.S. agent? Yeah, almost? yeah, I mean, I mean, something like that, but, but, but he, he goes way darker, you know what I mean? Like, like, it's, it, it's something that, that, you know, he, he deteriorates to the point of, they, like, I don't think U.S. agent would have ever had gas put in his head to knock him out, and I don't think... U.S. agent would have ever been fitted with an explosive in his head to stop him from doing stuff. Whereas they they need to take those kind of precautions with major force. It's almost like it's almost like he's a public relations nightmare. Where it's like he probably should have been on the Suicide Squad, but instead he's part of Project Adam, and they're trying to play it like, look, he's just like all the other, you know. DC heroes, you know, he's just got a little temper every once in a while, but don't let that fool you. He's a good stand-up guy, but in reality, everybody's monitoring him every five minutes, you know, going, oh, is he going to lose his crap at this point? Oh, I, I can't wait to, you know, uh, knock him out, or, you know, th this is basically, this is not the first time that Major Force and Adam have come to blows. Maybe something more along the lines of Wolverine and Sabretooth. Anytime they try to make Sabretooth a good guy. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a great example. Yeah. Like, like especially okay. when he was in the, the mansion and everybody's like, oh, we gotta be nice to Sabretooth. And Wolverine's like, I wanna kill him. You know, like, that's that's more what it's like. And it's like, well, as long as you give me the glow, I'll be fine. You know, and it's like, to, 
to major force, it's like getting attention from a pretty girl would be the glow for momentary. Or, you know, it's like they try to distract him with these things, but he's constantly in the shadow of this other guy who he thinks he's equal to or 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 should be treated with the same accord but he's just not because he's not he's not the same type of guy you know but yeah like i i enjoyed it like i like tony said the art was really good like you know what do you call it it's just a good uh standalone issue what about you justin um so who has the next issue for us (laughs) okay um wow uh, harsh <laughs> i yeah i don't i don't want to rain on your parade but i thought this was i thought this was odd i i don't know i thought a lot of the stuff in it was heavy-handed like especially dealing with major force it seems like he just constantly gets his toe stubbed and then like when they when they're going to do that commercial in new york or whatever like I thought it was going to start becoming like a comedy comic or something. Like the rest of the pages would be like a comedy skit or it would be some kind of like dream or something. I don't know why I thought that. I just I just thought that commercial thing and him like, you know, dancing his heart out or whatever he's doing in the commercial. I just thought it was like going into like wacky, you know, comedy hijinks, but it didn't go there. And then the whole thing of like the chick using him to make her boyfriend jealous. I just thought that was really dumb and lame. Like that someone, <laughs> someone in the DC universe could be so dumb as to do that. Like, I'm, I don't know. I just, I mean, I thought the artwork was great. I haven't read much Captain Adam other than what you've had us read on the podcast over the years. So I'm familiar with the character somewhat. It's been a long time since I read invasion, but I kind of remember most of the details i did key in on the reagan stuff i thought that was very well handled and you know kind of like you said like he is sometimes not portrayed very uh nicely i'll just say in some you know older comics so i always appreciate when you have the president showing up in a comic and he's being presidential he's not being mocked or anything he's like oh you know captain adam thank you for your service here's a medal and you know he's being very respectful and he's not talking down to him he's not like tripping or falling downstairs or eating a hamburger or you know something stupid that some that whatever president's being mocked like i was just happy that you know here's reagan and you know he's being presidential you know so that that caught my attention but it as far as like the the rest of the story, I just thought it was odd. I don't know. I don't want to like like I said. I don't I don't want to rain on your childhood no, no, memories. No, I just I was fine. just like this. No, no, no. This seems like a very odd comic. Like like if I if I had found this as a kid, I don't know if I would have like read a whole lot more Captain Adam unless it was part of like another crossover or something. I don't know because I, I am familiar with Major Force because he kind of played a, a role in JLI at one point. Like his whole thing is, and I'm not trying to sway you to understand this. I'm not saying you don't know what it's about, but like, you know, from what I've read of the character, he is stupid and he tries to not be stupid. He tries to play ball, but he's so damn stupid and he can't get it. He doesn't know how to play the game that unlike your normal person who like does something stupid. And they'll just be like, oh, I'll never be good enough. He's a guy who has like the power of a, you know, 
not a million suns, but a hundred suns. And like the anger of like a Hulk when he's mad, he's not as strong as the Hulk, but he could be a problem. And that's like the issue is like they, they, they have basically, he's basically a top bomb and you don't know what's going to set him off. I guess is the question. I, I think, I don't want to speak for Justin, but I think he was saying that he thought like somebody like the girl truly was stupid for trying to pull something yeah. like making her boyfriend jealous with somebody who was who was a time bomb who does have the potential of the Hulk or Doctor Manhattan or whoever you want to compare him to. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that was supposed to not humanize major force but to show him again be disenfranchised he was like well i mean that's probably the only way you could you could hurt a character like that right like you can hurt their feelings but he's it's not like bullets and all that other stuff are gonna hurt him but but him constantly getting his ego bruised is what what sets him off you know yeah yeah like she's yeah and yeah. And and I guess I'll fully acknowledge, like, I have total nostalgic goggle blinders when it comes to stuff like this. So, like, I don't I don't mind that, that you have a different take on it, especially coming to it when you did. Like, you didn't read this during your childhood, so it's it's totally makes sense that you would have a different vantage point on it. So I don't, I you know, I, I don't think you're raining on anybody's parade or anything like that. I'm fine. Like, you're, you're all good. Stop and listen! Stop and listen to me! Listen! Listen! Listen to me! November 4th, 1988, Earth is invaded by an alien alliance composed of several species, including the Dominators, the Kuns, the Tanagarians, and the Durlins, and they want our superheroes. Even though Australia has been decimated, the United Nations response is unequivocal. Drop dead. First Strike, the Invasion podcast, takes you back to that moment in time and covers the entire Invasion DC Comics crossover, issue by issue. Tie-in by tie-in. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes. First Strike, the Invasion Podcast. A proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember, Melbourne. So I guess I guess Justin was saying who who's next? Well, Justin, you you are next. Oh, okay. So I brought Iron Man issue number 268. This has a cover date of May 1991. It sold for a whopping $1. This issue was written by John Byrne and illustrated by Paul Ryan. Upon confirming the results of his latest test, Tony Stark reflects on the events that led him to become Iron Man. Meanwhile, the Mandarin, also feeling nostalgic, recalls the events of Tales of Suspense number 39 as well. The end. So, what did you guys think of this comic? It, it reminded me of that... that episode of like the origin of Iron Man that two part thing like where they go into Iron Man's origin but then they couldn't have the Mandarin be like in Southeast Asia or mm-hmm. what, you know what I mean like it had to be the green Mandarin and all that other stuff and I was like this is a really like to me it was a nice retelling but in a more modern context I think I mean I, I like the Paul Ryan art and I really like I'm always seeing now every time I see it I'm like oh Bob Wiasek like I'm like dude he always inks stuff that 
that you know whether it's like Walt Simonson X Factor or whatever he does, like the the old Star Wars comics. Like I'm always like, dude, he's the glue that that makes me like a lot of certain you know favorite comics and things like that. I guess that the one thing that I'd point out is. I had not I had not read this story before, and I, I do think it's a good retelling of, of Iron Man's origin. What's interesting about it is like you you caught me at a good demarcation point because I think you know I, I, as I'm fond of saying, I I love the Armor Wars, and I was suckered into buying Armor Wars two because it was called Armor Wars two, even though I think Byrne and all those guys didn't want to call it Armor Wars two. But the only reason why I bought those issues was because they were called Armor Wars two. So that marketing totally worked on me. But Armor Wars 2, I think, ended the issue before this. So I pretty much was like, I'm out of 5,000, you know, and I left, right? So I, I did not read this issue until you had us read it tonight. I, I liked it. I guess the, the only other thing that it makes me think of is, you know, th this is that, that thing that makes me, like, kind of, like, laugh at, like, the, the Marvel fans that are like, Marvel never has no crises and shit like that. And I'm kind of like, um, Iron Man's origin, like, changes, like, every other fucking year to keep up with, like, current yeah. events, mm -hmm. you know? So so I'm kind of like, I don't, I mean, it, it, to me, I'm always kind of like, dude, you, you have these little mini reboots, like, every seven years or so. Yeah, because, like, they, they went back and they placed the Mandarin in these events. And then, then you also have, like, Rhodey being placed in those events, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like it's like that that it's always getting tweaked and revised mm -hmm. according to the 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 current framework of the era. And I I guess I was also kind of like I don't know if delighted is the right word, but I was like delightfully fascinated with like I was kind of like oh yeah like Southeast Asia like like that that was how it originally was and like the, the, the basically this is a modern retelling at least modern in the context of you and I were both alive when this story was told thus it was modern not to uh -huh. people now and and whereas if you if you told this story in you know say the Ellis you know extremis or whatever like that it, it invariably even the the cinematic universe Iron Man that invariably it, the hotspot went from Southeast Asia to the Middle East right so so then from that point on it's like the Middle East the Middle East the Middle East and so I guess I like I said I was sort of delightfully you know fascinated with like oh yeah remember when it was Southeast Asia back in Tales of Suspense and that that there's a modern take on on that story in this comic so i was kind of like oh that was you know that was fun and pretty cool i i, I kind of liked how they dealt with you know like the the classic like first appearance armor you know it he had the strength of of many many men but then he could still get felled by like a a file cabinet filled with bricks you know because he <laughs> wasn't he wasn't super speedy and he's like Dude, this is this is clearly a design flaw. Like, I will correct this with the next with the next mock armor or whatever. So, like, I I thought all that stuff was kind of fun. And I mean, I guess I guess if you're a fan of the cinematic universe, I mean, essentially this comic is like a, a drawn out version of like what like the first like twenty or thirty minutes of Iron Man. You know, like kind of like. And so, like, I I, I you know I, I thought of that, and I also thought of that. You know what I described before the the Marvel Action Hour that that the origin of Iron Man where they they kind of dealt with with you know how he met Yinsen and all that kind of stuff. So I you know I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I liked it.
What about you, Mike? I know you're a big Iron Man fan like me. Yeah, I have similar thoughts to uh, Derek. Like, I had read this before. It might have been in a trade I had. Like, I think because this is right. Yeah, like Derek said, it's right after Armor Wars 2. And it's right before the Dragon Seed saga. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that that one dude is like, you know, like grooming the Mandarin to like resurrect the resurrect the rest of the dragons. Oh, my like, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, I, I agree mostly with what Derek said. Like, you know who like you know yes iron man's like origin changes probably every decade or so but you know who has like a more convoluted and like like top turts turds terpsy topsy topsy turvy whatever i'm trying to say like history topsy turvy yeah you know who has a like more topsy turvy history than like trying to like fit all the times boba fett like fell in a sarlacc pit like ho yinsen like he has like the most like if you tried to like consolidate all the different things they did with like Ho Yinsen over the years, you'd go like it's a cable like like twisted conundrum. It's it's like impossible. It's like you know Ho Ho Yinsen was shot like when he was trying to create a distraction, you know, for Tony to get in the armor. Only he didn't die. Like they they nursed him back to health, and then they executed him like live on television, like like a you know, like a Taliban execution, like later, but no, he didn't. He, he, they, they only cut his neck a little and then they threw him in a river and then he drifted down a river and founded a cult of Ho Yinsen worshipers who all wear Iron Man armor. All of this happened according to continuity. Like, also, oh, also Ho Yinsen had a son who, who he passed on his technology to, and the technology was like some of the same technology as the Iron Man armor. That doesn't make any sense, though, because Ho Yinsen died helping make the Iron Man armor. So, like, and, um, and he has a daughter. Yeah, and he has a daughter as well. Yeah. So, oh, man, it's, 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 that's what reading this above all else, that's what it reminded me of, of like, re, like reading through Iron Man and being like, like, Every 100 issues, there's like a new like story about his origin, and like they do something with Ho Yinsen. And, I'm like, yeah, who's Ho Yinsen? Think he is Hawkman? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like I, I think it's in Busick's run, or or um, whoever took over after Busick, I forgot. But um, yeah, the Iron Man encounters this entire cult of people who worship Ho Yinsen, and like they all have a piece of Iron Man armor on them like they like a, everyone has a different did, piece did of they, armor did they did they grow up to become taser face and the stark is that is that what happened yes uh-huh yep i think they were called the sons of yinsen mm-hmm. and then like yeah then they resurrect ho yinsen in in iron man's like uh ai armor and then like he dies again in the ai armor but uh, i forgot how it went i haven't read that in years but yeah it's I, I... I wish the group would have been called a bunch of hoes. A bunch of hoes, yeah. <laughs> Incense hoes, yeah. Hey, you've already been canceled. Quiet down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is all right. Like, I mean, does I don't I don't think much of John Burns like Ron on Iron Man. Like, I think Armor Wars Two has like beautiful like Ramita Junior art. Ramita Junior art. But like otherwise, I don't like I don't care for it too much as a story. And like, it's funny. It's like I noticed some like clever, clever John Byrne stuff in this series, in this uh, issue. 
where, uh, you know, like uh, Wong Chu is like, uh, you know, oh, like, you know, rough up Tony Stark. And Tony Stark's like, you know, oh, like, I'm actually athletic and like I can fight and stuff. Haha, you didn't think of that, did you? And I'm like, what? And like, I was like, oh, that's a John Byrne, like clever, clever, like, oh, yeah, like Tony Stark is athletic and he can fight. And that's how he's, you know, he's cool, like already. Like, he didn't just become cool. He was cool. Like, yeah, and Wong Chu was another dude they, like, resurrected, and he died. He didn't die. He worked for the Mandarin. He didn't work for the Mandarin. Like, you know. Wait, how did he How did he uh, resurrect from being squished as a bug? I, I don't know, but he was alive again, like, in another story, so. <laughs> well, Lee, that's, that's another thing that's changed, because in Tales of Suspense 39, it's assumed that he was blowed up when Iron Man, like, you know, blew up the building or right, whatever. Right, right, blew up the building. But in this, it's like, no, he, like, ran through the jungle on fire, and then the Mandarin was like, you failed me, and turned him into a bug and squished him. Yeah, he, it might be in the same story, because I don't remember, but Wang Chu comes back, and he's wearing, like, a pair of, like, Iron Man pajama bottoms, or, like, <laughs> like, like not, not, not pajama bottoms, but he's, right. like, wearing, like, yeah, the yeah. old the old gray armor is like pants and he's like yes, a big like yeah. sumo wrestler type guy and he's like like yes i have come for revenge and like i have iron man footy pajamas you know? <laughs> and the next time the next time somebody starts using that lex luther has no helmet on his head argument i'm gonna point them to to uh wong chu with his uh iron man pajama bottoms <laughs> and go all right like f off please like, <laughs> can he get his own theme song like ah have iron pants i think like in modern retelling of iron man's origin i think they just replaced wong chu with that guy from like the first iron man movie like raza or you know like the the oh, leader okay. of the terrorist like the whatever. Or whatever. yeah so yeah but okay yeah, like, you know, I mean, like, I, I like, you know, it's got good art and I, it's always fun to like, you know, see a retelling of the origin, even though, it, like I, we say, it's like different every single time. But yeah, I mean, this was OK. What about you, Tony? I know you're a big Iron Man fan, too. Oh, uh, yeah. Apparently I'm back. I'm on Netflix. Not canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was actually really interesting because this was at a time when I was back and forth on Iron Man. I was very aware of the uh, complete paralysis arc where he had to wear the armor just to do anything. Mm -hmm. But I had for this issue, so this was kind of interesting. It, it, it was nice how, I think one of the things we, we haven't brushed upon is how like Tony and the Mandarin are kind of going back and forth about the, the history. That's the, the retcon. They, they, they've known each other since they were in the orphanage together. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of interesting because, like, I think Tony comes off really well here because he really is, like, at, like, one of his lowest points without alcohol, without, like, you know, being dumped or whatever, whatever ill has befallen him. He is literally paralyzed. And he's, like, not even sure with having the armor, he should be Iron Man or Tony Stark. He, he's He's hitting a really low point. And I, I found that kind of interesting, and like the the you know the the flashbacks, like we've already gone over. Like you know, this is a, a retcon, this is a retelling. But I, I thought it was really good. I, I thought where him and Ho were more uh, Ho Yinsen are like more. They, they seem to build a camaraderie every time, like more when they retell the story. It was like you know, at some point, you know, like in the cinematic universe, it was almost like 
you're the father I never had. <laughs> I was like, damn, okay. But yeah, I, I, and I thought it was kind of cool like to have a story where literally, except for the flashbacks is where we get all the action, Tony's not doing anything. And the manager's not doing anything. They're they're doing exposition. You could call this a filler, but to me, it's more of a building of like where we have to go next. We have to explain all this. And I, I think this would be a good jumping on point for new readers. I think this would be a good good issue for that. The only negative I have to say, like I said, I was in and out of Iron Man a lot in this, and the one of the reasons why is I didn't hate the dragon arc. But I really hated the hands of the Mandarin arc. I hated like him with the dragon claws. I didn't like that look. I don't know why. I, I, I like my armored Mandarin or my my robes Mandarin. Him having like these dragon hands was never a, a good look for me. You know, he seems the Mandarin seems to get a redesign like all, like a couple of times every decade. He's had so many like looks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, I mean, yeah, this is just one of mine that I didn't like. But yeah, he's been in a business suit. He's been everything. He's, he's been a fake, you know, whatever. That one's still worse than this, so that, that's fine. The, the, the only thing that really strikes home, and maybe this is just me reading too, too much into this, like, there's no roadie. There's no pepper pots. There's no Miss Abergast. No one. It's just Tony sitting alone in his lab, and he's just, he's just kind of fucking sad. Oh, no. Don't forget about Trench Cody, the trench coat who uh, is in the flashback that he disguises himself as a trench coated person and then reveals, yeah. I have armor! <laughs> there is that, yeah. Which, which, which was kind of cool. Yeah, I was like, but yeah, it, it, yeah, that's the whole like, you know, Iron Man has been his bodyguard from day one. <laughs> It's like, well, it's you know, it's like, it's like the thing logic. Like, as long as you have a trench coat and a hat, like, no one can identify you. No, no one, no one can recognize that you have a gigantic suit of armor. Well, I, I do, I do feel the artist. They, they've done this before too. I, I think when like he puts it on and he's like getting ready to fight like the the troops and stuff, it does look like they streamline the gray armor a little bit. You know, it's not nearly like a, a pot and pans robot like the original gray suit. Yeah, or skin tight. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, yeah, I mean that that suit's really hard to sell to the kids. You know, in the nineties or eighties. Yeah, I, I, I would not say, like, this is, like, a must-read issue, but I would say for anybody who was not familiar with Iron Man at this point in time, it would have been a great jumping-on point because you would have got everything. And the everything might have not been what a lot of us know as everything, but, like, you know, Derek and, and Justin, like you guys have said, and Mike, you know, it's like sometimes you have to change the everything because, like, can Tony be getting his armor in Vietnam? No. Nobody's gonna be like, well, I don't want a sixty year old man in armor. <laughs> you know, you gotta do you gotta do the updates for it to carry on, you know. I would say that the the retconning, while it can, of course, at some points be a little bit funny or a little bit egregious, I don't think this was a bad example of that. I thought this was like a pretty uh uh, uh what's the best way to say it? uh a competent tidying up of how things happen to make it fit into a new era. I think that recent history of the Marvel Universe by Mark Wade series, like he like kind of retconned that like Tony and Rhodey and like Reed Richards and Ben Grimm, like they all went to like some generic 
fictional like southeastern country to for like the war and that like they retconned like all everyone whoever was like you know had a war history like they all went to the same war like only like 15 years ago or whatever i, I remember reading in a, in a marvel universe i think not marvel universe marvel age teaser comic for all the new releases uh, a fan had wrote something about like continuity and originally i didn't know this because i wasn't a big fantastic four fan at the time this is when i was in my like teens like at that time they're like you know no one ever mentions that like reed and ben were world war ii vets or something like that yeah yeah because they came out in the 60s so yeah they you know they could have been in their 30s late 30s by the 60s yeah yeah like holy cow Oh, you know what I forgot? I didn't go into my history with this book. I was so busy, like, with my short, snarky synopsis. This, you know, I I always try to find, like, my first, you know, comic on these episodes we do. Like, this wasn't the first Iron Man comic I ever read, but it's pretty close. I'm pretty sure, like, a, a friend at school had this, and I think he had, like, read it so many times he was tired of it. And I traded a comic that I had for for it and i'm pretty sure like i had an issue of the marvel pirates of dark water comics i think i i I think i traded like that because he was super into that cartoon and he had some of the toys and i was like oh i'll trade you this because i think i think only i think i only owned like two or three issues of that series i mean i liked the cartoon a lot but i knew he was a bigger fan so i was like okay i'll trade you this for your iron man and he was like deal so I like I got this and read this several times. So since I'm since I'm already canceled, I'm just gonna say that uh, Wong Chu's like little servant girl, hot, hot. <laughs> <laughs> when you're canceled, you can say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, according well according to her, you speak the mongrel tongue, Derek. So <laughs> I I do speak the mongrel tongue. She's gonna have to get ready for some mongrel tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm canceled. I gotta right. walk out. <laughs> We're all canceled. Thank, thank you for joining us. Fan hold, guys. It's been great. Uh, Eight years to toothbrush is no longer. <laughs> it makes me think of that. It makes me think of Pops from regular show where he's like. We can all be turned. I'm like, we can all be canceled. <laughs> well, I guess is that does that wrap up Iron Man two sixty eight? Yep, that's all I got. This was uh this was a an early issue for me. And I think I think I started getting the title like on a fairly regular basis, maybe after Galactic Storm. So I kinda like I would get sporadically. This was a you know, a fun trip down memory lane for me. As well as Tony Stark and the Mandarin, apparently. Yeah, yeah. They had uh, one of those freezer flashback TV episodes or whatever <laughs> and remembered what stuff happened like in the good old days. Hey, kids. Do you like comics? Uh-huh. Do you like Iron Man comics? Uh-huh. Do you want to learn more about Iron Man's downward spiral from alcoholism, fear of commitment, and feelings of inferiority leading the egomaniac into a life of misery? Uh, what? Then listen to the Invincible Iron Cast Classics Edition and see Tony Stark go from genius billionaire playboy philanthropist to genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. 
with awesome weaponized armor. Relive classic stories like Demon in a Bottle, Armor Wars, Doom Quest, and more, hosted by me, Mike Staley. So how about it, kids? Do you want to listen to the Invincible Iron Cast? Uh-huh. Well, too bad. You need to do your homework. Uh-huh. The Invincible Iron Cast Classics Edition on iTunes or at invincibleironcast.podbean.com. So, so we are on the final, the most current comic on this series of Spinner Rat comics. We're on uh, what Mike brought for us to read tonight. So why don't you let us know what you brought and then we'll discuss. Well, to compliment Justin's choice, I brought War Machine, volume one, number eight. I actually bought this in a supermarket, like I think when it came out. It was it was weird because like War Machine, like I feel like it was his comic was like rare in my area. Like even even when I went to a comic store and tried to find back issues of it, I could only like find like a couple. And like I think I got the first issue, but it was part of one of those three packs that they sold at like Toys R Us. Like I think it was like War Machine, Thunderstrike, and like something else. Like all the first issues in a three pack or something. So. Yeah, that's like, and I, I had always liked, you know, I, I was reading Iron Man, like, back issues, so, you know, obviously I always liked War Machine and Jim Rhodes, too, so, like, I, when I saw this issue, like, in a stop and shop, I think it was, like, I was like, oh, man, like, War Machine and Iron Man fighting each other? Like, man, I gotta pick this up, so, that's, the, yeah, that's my history of this issue. I will read a synopsis I wrote up for it. War Machine, Volume 1, Number 8, with a cover date of November 1994, written by Scott Benson and Len Kaminsky, pencils by Gabriel Gecko, inks by Pam Eklund, letters by jo- John Costanza. I was going to say George Costanza. <laughs> I did all the letters, Jerry. I did the letters. <laughs> I almost said George. John. It's true. Rody's Rody's getting angry. <laughs> He's about to lose it. So since we're since we're stopped with all the the naming stuff, just just dropping some quick facts. Max Shield is not a guy on Tony's colorist thing for yearbook number three. It's actually Christy Shield, but there's this whole long-winded story about why she got the nickname Max. And then I think Gabrielle Gecko is actually like if you try to look up more art from Gabrielle Gecko, he it's like a alias or whatever. So if you look up more art like for for later work it's actually going to be under gabriel hardman oh, why, why are you trying to castle me even harder man oh, <laughs> i don't know i don't know that's what it said on the bio it's that back seal sorry <laughs> no 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 i i know i know it, it probably was labeled as max like there it's not your fault like there's there's it it, it was it was a joke that just went too far <laughs> and she got lots of credits as max shield okay uh, any, any, anyway uh, colors by uh, Ariane, just one name. Like I don't, I don't know. Maybe she's a he or she is a singer or an artist or, you know, formerly oh, known as yeah. And edited by Nell Yamtoff. So you know, huge swaths of this issue are block colored. No, <laughs> no. But uh, anyway, the story title is Friendly Fire. After Jim Rhodes sustained heavy damage to his war machine armor, he phoned Tony Stark for the specs to it so he could effect repairs. However, Tony disapproves of Rhodey's recent use of the armor to dispense lethal justice to villains, regardless of politics and borders, and refuses. 
After reflecting on their long history, Jim Rhodes suits up his war machine and goes to confront Tony at Stark Industries. At the offices of World Watch, the humanitarian agency that Jim Rhodes has recently taken charge of, his employees wonder what the connection is between their new CAO and War Machine. At Stark Industries, Tony's employees wonder what connection War Machine has to them. On cue, War Machine arrives on the premises, and after a frosty reception from security chief Bethany Cab, who knows his true identity, Jim is allowed up to talk with Tony. Tony makes it clear that he's displeased with Jim's recent actions overseas as War Machine, and demands that he return the armor. Rhodey tells him to come take it and the two get in a fight. While Rhodey's armor is damaged and he has less experience using it, Tony's feeling the effects of a hangover acquired when Vor slash Tech recently took over his body. The two are equally matched and the fight is secretly observed by the Mandarin, who has been plotting his revenge against both Iron Men for some time. Tony, Tony finally decides to end the fight by invoking a failsafe security code and locking Rhodey's armor up. Iron Man stands over his paralyzed former friend and tells Jim that his days as War Machine are over. To be continued. Brody was canceled. Yep. This this is actually part of a prelude to the Hands of the Mandarin crossover, which actually I think is kind of like, I love Len Kaminsky's run, but I think it's like his weakest story because like you know, Hands of the Mandarin ran through Iron Man, War Machine, and Force Works. So like, you know, it was kind of, kind of cruddy actually but look i think the the animated adaptation of hands of the mandarin is better than the comic story but yeah but in whatever case yeah, like i i really liked this issue like i treasured it like i think i saw I, I had like war machine issues one and two and then this issue and that's pretty much all i i think i had of war machine series and i'm like i i tracked most of it down later like on the internet and stuff to read like maybe like 20 years ago or whatever but yeah like you know i i was always a big fan of roadie and like you know anything related to iron man so and like i i, I it's weird because you know, Rhodey's a soldier. You know, he went to Vietnam. Well, maybe not anymore. He went to Indescript Asian War number 22 or whatever now or, you know, whatever it was. But it's funny, like when the series opens, like, you know, he, he suits up his war machine and he goes to like Africa to fight like this warlord who kidnapped like this humanitarian guy he was friends with. And, like, you know, he, he eventually has to fight, like, the, this guy's, like, army and stuff. And he, like, you know, and he's killing these guys. And he's kind of like, oh, man, like, I never had to kill anyone, not even in the army. And I'm like, what? Like, no, like, that's not right. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, like, yeah, that's, that that's, it's it's funny how, like, the comics code, like, you magically, it, it it's that it's that thing that always made me grumpy about New Frontier, where it's like, until the last day of the last minute of the war... Hal Jordan crashed and then had to like fight with some guy and shoot him in the face and now he's sad. You know, and I'm just kind of like, wait, so you never shot anybody down when you were fucking flying? Yeah, like, come on. Uh huh. So, but they they try to pull that with like War Machine and I like I don't buy that, but you know, and I'm no. sure it's been retconned. That's hell why. Now. That's why Cable had to show up and be like, "What happened?" Yeah, yep. In the first issue, yeah. In the first two issues, War Machine fights Cable and Deathlock. Can you tell this is a 90s comic? Like, but, but 
But yeah, but I mean, this is, you know, 90s stuff aside, this is a pretty, like, I think, classic confrontation, like, between the two of them. You know, I, I always liked, like, Len Kaminsky's take on Rhodey because he, like, gave Rhodey, like, an edge to him and, like, they, they were at odds. And, like, you know, that's the, the whole, like, you know, spawning point of War Machine's, like, series is that he finally had enough with like Tony Stark's machinations and like lies and whatever and went off on his own and like uh, they patched things up like at the end of like Hands of the Mandarin but like this I think this fight is continued in Iron Man 311 or 312 or I don't know but like it's funny because it's like you know there are no original ideas so like the fight actually continues in the next part because you know, Iron Man's standing over War Machine, and then War Machine just gets up and, like, slugs him, and he's like, man, I changed all those security codes, like, Tony, like, dumbass, like, and, like, I, of course, you know, in Civil War, when Iron Man fights Spider-Man, like, they do the exact same thing, where, it, like, Iron Man locks up the Iron Spider armor, and then Peter's like, man, I changed all these codes, like, Tony, you dumbass, like, so, like, there, there are, there are no original ideas. I like, Tony uh, circular reasoning, he's like, you know, I, I really fell for Rhodey in this because it was just like, Tony was like, Rhodey, I expect you to be a better man than me. And since you weren't a better man than me and I'm a worser man, I could be worse since you weren't better. So that means you're worse than me. Get it? This this has all those like weird moral foibles. Like this this has arrow syndrome where it's like, only I can be killing peoples, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and then and then on top of that, like even the War Machine book itself, like I always thought was weird because he there there's a very pure motivation, right? It's like the you know, I see people or governments or what whatever it is, right? They're doing these horrible things right and i'm gonna go in there and be war machine and shoot the fuck out of them right and it's it, it it starts off from that pure standpoint like almost a rambo standpoint it's like you see you know these horrible things and rambo's gonna get on that chain gun and blow this guy away until he looks like fucking mulch and you're like yeah like this is awesome like this is what war machine's supposed to be about but then like you get into all these nuances and stuff where it's like well I'm a Deathlock, and I'm gonna help you for, like, an issue, but you know what? I can't commit to Civil War. I got my own comics to worry about. Goodbye! You know, and you're just kind of like, well, wait a minute. Like, you know, like, like if it was really... I don't know. I, I just... Some of that stuff I, I, I find funny. And, like, th this issue, I think, is, is interesting because it, it is that kicker prologue. And I was trying to, like, remind myself. Like, I'm like, okay, like... Why are these guys pissed at each other again now? And they, they do a good job of, of trying to set that up, you know, because the, the, the first couple pages kind of go through, like, their history in Iron Man and the different spins and turns and everything that it's taken. But you know what I find interesting about it is it goes through all, like, the Iron Man comic history, but it doesn't really establish... Like, I think they expect you to have read the last, like, seven issues of War Machine, though. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's no, there's no real like, cause, 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 cause they don't, they don't, they don't like sort of spell out like, like Tony's mad, but you kind of, you kind of don't know why. And the reason why Tony's mad is he took his armor into a foreign country and shot up a bunch of motherfuckers, you know, like, and it's like, it's like that's great for the 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 premise of War Machine, but it's it's not good for for Tony, right? Because he's like. 
well, if I, anybody's going to go into another country and shoot up a bunch of people, it's going to be me and not you. <laughs> and now I'm turning off your armor. You know, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, then, and then and that puts them at odds and stuff. But, like, it's it's interesting. I mean, I the, the only thing I'd say is, and I, I'm not usually one to, like, rag on art one way or the other. Like, I, I, I guess all I'll say is, like, I, I don't know that I love this art. You know what I mean? Like it's it's fine, you know, but it's just like I, I, I think if 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 just aesthetically, like style wise, I'm kinda like, oh okay, I get it. It was you know, they they're trying to go for like a nineties thing. And I almost feel like he draws like the 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 war machine armor, like looks really cool, but I think like people and things, like I don't know. They 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 don't look as cool. I guess that's all. That's all I I, I could think of. You know? I, I think his Iron Man looks really good, like the football pants Iron Man that we call him. But like with War Machine, like his body looks good. But man, sometimes that face, he just looks like somehow. How does an Iron Man look constipated? Because he's just like the mouth line. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I will say, like, uh, this is a good, you know, like like you said, Mike, when we were, you know, talking offline. Brody's cussing up a storm in this. You know, fuck your house. Kill you, bitch. Fuck off. <laughs> I, used to, I used to love that as a kid because I used to be like, oh, man, he's swearing. That's cool. Like, <laughs> like even though, yeah. you know, it wasn't. But yeah. But, but like, well, and, you know, I mean, not to get into semantics because, I, I mean, I can't win. I'm not trying to, like put too much logic into this but tony gave a guy doesn't matter who it is Rody, quentin beck who used to be force or whatever you give a guy an armor called war machine that has gatling guns missiles lasers it is made to make war and then you're mad because he shoots people i'm just like yeah, it seems kind of like a flaw in the naming or the branding, you know? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, here's your war machine armor, and be sure to start your new job at the uh, the garage tomorrow, too. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? Like, what do you think he's going to use it for, that. dude? <laughs> yeah, it's like, here's your war machine ar- armor. Make sure to enjoy your new job as a florist over there. <laughs> and, Mike, that would be like if you had the war machine armor, but you kept going to work at the grocery store wearing it. <laughs> yeah. They tie an apron around it. I'm going to go to the competitor and, like, <laughs> like no, never mind. <laughs> They're going to, like, pull it to my window at Taco Bell and be like, you know, like, oh, okay, extra sour cream. <laughs> like, round of sour cream. <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to get canceled. Dead or alive, our sales can't be beat. <laughs> Craft cheese, buy one, get one free. Uh, <laughs> what, 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 I mean, like, like uh, I, I, I guess I don't know if I'm the wrong side of history. I mean, we know how this plays out, like. You guys said they they make amends and all that, but I guess because this is War Machine's comic, like, did you did like especially you, Mike? Did you think Tony kind of came off as like a, as Rhodey said, uh, a motherfucker on his high horse? You know, 
Tony was all about that, like in this era, kind of like, you know, he, yeah. he was like, he just not, not only not 20 issues before, I mean, he had killed the Supreme intelligence in galactic storm. So, I mean, like, I don't know, Len Kaminsky always used to, you know, write Tony as kind of a, like, kind of like harsh, I guess he was pretty harsh. So I, like, maybe... I actually read the continuation of this uh, story because I was so into it. Tony doesn't come off any better in his own book, to be perfectly no, honest. No, yeah, he's yeah, he's pretty harsh, yeah. Yeah, like I was rooting for Rhodey the whole time. I mean, I always had a soft spot for Rhodey, but I'm like, dude, like, Tony, you need to, like, just stop while you're in. <laughs> well, to, to be fair, like, like that, I think we read a, one of those issues with Vor slash Tex in a previous mm-hmm. show, and, like, he kind of fucked up Tony's life, like just previous to this. So, like, he was probably Tony was probably in a bad mood. Yeah, they they, they were saying like he's actually not drinking right now, but like the effects are making people think he's drinking because Miss Arbogast. Yeah, what what happened was Vor slash Tex was like an AI, and it switched minds with Tony, so it was in like Tony's human body, and Tony was like stuck in the computer, and then like Vor slash Tex was like. Like this human body requires alcohol. Like and like <laughs> drank, drank like Tony's whole liquor cabinet. So <laughs> he turned into Bender. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I am Tony. Insert booze. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, wh- one thing I did notice: I- I'm not a huge like War Machine solo fan, and there was Miss Arbogast in this, you know, for a minute. But like uh, apparently, Rhodey had his own kind of team, I guess. Or am yeah, I off? like he was he was CAO of uh, like uh, the, like company called World Watch, and they were kind of like a humanitarian like sort of like you know we we try to handle things overseas and make everyone get along and like I, I love like you know this is still the era of everyone has secret identities and stuff, so they're like. Hey, like War Machine helped our company out, and like he's ne- he's never around when our CEO Jim Rhodes isn't around. I wonder if there's a connection, like like. And well, like it's Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I will say uh, I I did bag on how War Machine's face looked. As far as the art goes, like War Machine looks massive. Like he just looks like a uh, like a a linebacker next to Tony Stark's quarterback armor if that makes sense yeah it looks like, like I, I always like i always liked this design of war machine and like you guys know that like the modular iron man armor is my favorite iron man design so like i think they really look good like I, if hasbro is listening like we could use an apology modular iron man figure to go with that new war machine that's coming out dude i want uh, fuck apology figure i want a legendary writer's apology yeah, yeah. that comes Proton with a can- huge <laughs> fucking cannon from marvelous's capcom 3 and Absol- you, you, absolutely. Can, you can charge me 40 i would take that for it, you fucks but uh, the only other thing i wanted to mention was like you know the mandarin like watching uh, watching you know war machine and iron man go at it. and i like like <laughs> He was like, you know, his disciples are kind of like, Did you were defeated, like, Master? Like, it is inconceivable. And Mandarin's like, oh, yeah, I got my ass whooped by the guy. Like, all the time. Like, oh, all the time. And, and this dude, too, he won my ass. What He's been to some turns whooping my ass. Like, he even has a flashback, where, or, or Rhodey has yeah. the flashback, where he's like, you know, I even, like, fought the Mandarin for you, Tony, and... Like the man is like, I am defeated. I must flee. 
Those guys were immediately rethinking their cult decisions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder if there's any room in the Ho Yin Sen cult. Like, this guy isn't so cool. <laughs> <laughs> the Mandarin cult is played out, man. Let's go join the Ho Yin Sen, the sons of Yin Sen, the Yin Sen's hoes or whatever. <laughs> It's like, are you having a bad day, Mandarin? It's like, yes, earlier I went to the, like, stack machine and tried to get a zero bar out, and I was defeated by the stack machine. It kept my change. You cannot leave the Mandarinos. He's <laughs> <laughs> like the idiot. The idiot comic Mandarin is, like, doing a scratch you, off. You were freak. defeated, Mandarin? It's inconceivable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess so. Those guys look pretty cool. So I guess, yeah, they'd probably kick your ass. Oh, oh crap. You're going to kill me now. <laughs> yes, the new Mandarin Fortress is inflatable. What of it? <laughs> Do you guys like this Mandarin design with, like, the mask and the dragon? Like you said, you didn't really look- care for the dragon hands, Tony, but... Yeah, no. Not really. Yeah. What? I mean... Because I gotta be honest, I mean, first appearance Mandarin suck too. Like, what, what's your guys' favorite look for the Mandarin? I, I really like. I don't know what uh, what comics he was really in, but I like armored Mandarin from Captain America and the Avengers. Oh, the blue armor. Oh, so like that that axe of the yeah, axe yeah. of vengeance one. That that's yeah. pretty sweet. I mean. I, I don't know that it would fit with any decent displays, but that 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 is a really good good armor. I like I, I don't mind like the Mandarin that kind of like I don't know I guess like there's no definite Mandarin design really like because he's different like you, you've said he's like different in every appearance he is. but I mean the big like as long as he's got like the you know the ten rings, I don't like it when he has dragon hands or long fingernails or whatever. He just needs the ten rings, like the long hair, the mustache, and the beard, and like you know a long flowing Chinese like sort of like cloak or something. Like I I, I liked his like in the in the Noff's run on Iron Man, like Director of Shield, like he kind of like they kind of had business suit Mandarin where he kind of had his hair in a ponytail and he had a business suit yeah. and all his, his all his rings were like fused in his spine, so he had like a like a, a yeah backbone of rings, but so that was pretty cool and like you know he he. When he fought Iron Man, he kind of had like this sort of like martial artist kind of like Bruce Lee pants or whatever. But but yeah, I, I mean, I don't like if you're asking me what kind of Marvel legend I would like of an, uh, like of a new Mandarin. Like I don't know honestly. Like I would, I'd have to like you know. see. I I I don't know either, but I think I would lean towards Tony's thing. Like because they already made that Marvel Universe one. Like I think that's the one that came in the two the. Silver Centurion armor, that Axe of Vengeance for Oh yeah, the blue. Like, if if he if 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 yeah, if he had to have a costume, I would go with that. And uh, you'll all throw rotten eggs at me, but I I do like his son, so I would I would take a legend of his son doing the yeah his son's kung fu and kicking the crap out of Iron Gene Khan. So Temujin, Temujin, Gene. Yeah, I would take I would take a Gene. What about you, Justin? Do you have a favorite Mandarin or? Derek kind of poo-pooed it, but I kind of like the classic, like, 60s Mandarin, like the purple and green. With the big M on his fucking chest? <laughs> I don't mind that. <laughs> what? Yeah. I just it's remember his, his portrayal in, like, the 60s Iron Man 
cartoon. He's like, yeah, yeah. What what are you talking about, like, Justin? He sounds. I like have a big like M on my chest. I'm a dirty head. He's like, you Iron Man, you dare challenge me to karate combat? Like karate <laughs> combat. <laughs> Actual line. To the Mandarin copter. Here's the tunnel leading to his stronghold. <laughs> it's like walking into the dragon's mouth. Oh, who can that intruder be? Nothing can approach my castle without being detected. By activating the power within my miraculous rings, I can easily block his entrance. Now, like all who enter my castle, he will be captured and put to death. I, I, I mean, as far as it goes, Justin, if they ever came out with a Marvel Legend of that, I would buy it just for the for the lulls, but it wouldn't be because, like, that's so cool. It'd just be like, the fuck? <laughs> well, I, being being that the Mandarin is going to be the villain of the Shang Chi movie, like I assume we're going to get a movie Mandarin before we get any like you know comic Mandarin. But I don't care. <laughs> I don't care, and I don't care. <laughs> you can always get Ben Kingsley Marvel Legend Mandarin. Oh boy! Oh boy! See all the all the the Hasbro spies who are listening to this call are like writing in their notebook, and they're like Ben Kingsley. Apology figure. <laughs> uh, no spies, no. And toilet diorama. <laughs> toilet yeah, for, diorama. For, for for Darth Maul. Darth Maul toilet <laughs> diorama. Uh. Oh shit. Wong Chu uh. with Iron Man pajama <laughs> pants. Build a figure. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I, 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 that's all I had to say about this issue. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, I think I think we're done for this evening. If you have any comments, questions, and/or concerns, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail Unless we're canceled, in which case you can't email us there anymore. If you want to check out the backlog of our episodes, we're over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. The backlog of comics, motherfucker, do you read them, are going to be there. We are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, retweets, etc. that we receive. We can be streamed on all kinds of media. We are on Apple Podcasts. We can be streamed on Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. And until the next time, this is Derek Derek WC references. I don't need any references. Signing off. Hey, it's Mike. Book that noise. This is Mike Zett, creator of the Black Spider Man costume. Signing off. <laughs> hey, this is Tony, and dude, it was not 64 pages. It was like 10. <laughs>
oh hey i i was just i was curious so i looked it up here i, I found a sumo wrestler pajama pants wong chu oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. Wow, he looks he looks worse. He looks worse than I thought. They, they're definitely they're definitely gonna make a legend build a figure of it. <laughs> Iron Man, when I escaped, someone threw oatmeal on me, and now I'm back. <laughs> uh, somebody pissed concrete on my fucking chest. <laughs> Someone made oh, romance Jesus. explosion. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 little, little too much mongrel tongue, right? <laughs> One of the sons uh, of Ho. <laughs> the sons of Ho. The daughters of Ho. <laughs> Sumo fight is best. <laughs> they were hoes, so they don't matter. Oh, uh, shit, now I'm canceled. <laughs> <laughs> You fell into the trap. <laughs> uh.